We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Datable podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work or not. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating insider, if you will. On each episode, you'll hear commentary from my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. This episode of Datable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. Today we'll be exploring one of my favorite topics. It's about fetishes. And before we get into that, because our guest is uh, uh, came here with a very specific fetish in mind, <laughs> I want to just I want to pull up the definition of a fetish because I have never actually looked up a definition yeah. of fetish. And according to the dictionary, fetish is a form of sexual desire in which gratification is linked to an abnormal degree to a particular object, item of clothing, part of the body, etc. Hmm. Wow. That's very specific. I've never looked that up either. Right? (laughs) And now I'm thinking, that's interesting that they, first of all, they say it's a form of sexual desire. So it's sexual. So anything that's fetish related, sexual, in which gratification is linked to an abnormal degree. So it's an outlier of sorts. Yeah, abnormal was definitely the word that stuck out. Yeah. It's interesting. That is really interesting. Okay, so now we know what uh, the dictionary says about fetishes. I really think about fetishes as anything that is sort of unique to your own uh, liking. Yeah. Maybe a unique preference that you may have that uh, most uh, most other people don't have. I don't love the word abnormal. I don't love that word I either. I think like 
that maybe the dictionary is a little you dated. Need, but I think unique, like yeah. this day and age, abnormal isn't the best word or normal even. Like people don't yeah. define it as much in that. But I like unique. But do people with fetishes? So I'm going to introduce our guest before we get too much into this. <laughs> we have Samantha here in the studio. She is in her early 30s. She's been in San Francisco for four years, originally from Colorado. And you want to talk about a specific fetish. Not that you have, but someone came to you with, right? Yes. I have um, some exciting, many, many exciting dating stories from living in San Francisco. Uh, But probably one of the most interesting ones is I was with a guy for a couple of months and I uh, really liked him. So I was trying to be flexible and San Francisco is a place where you really have to keep an open mind. Yes. Um, And I was continuously being open-minded. He had a couple of different fetishes and they sort of started progressing. It started with them. Bottoming, you know, he introduced this to me, and I was like, "Okay, all right, I'll read the ebook." Um, Can you give a definition yeah, of that? A definition. For that has- According to dictionary, bottoming is when people sink that low; they're bound to reach the bottom soon. No, that's not <laughs> it. Uh, the slang means the submissive partner in a sexual relationship or encounter, especially the person who is penetrated in a- anal intercourse. Okay, opposed to the top. Okay, I guess yes. that makes sense with bottoming. So he was <laughs> he wanted to be bottom. No. Oh, he mm. was into you being bottom yes. in anal sex. I think, but you know what? We never got far enough to figure that out. I know he was interested and wanted to like introduce me to it. I have a book on it that I should read. I think he was dominant. So he was into submissive. So that was a thing. Um, So I was like, okay, all right, we'll see where this goes. But then I think a week later, he uh, came to my apartment with new literature to introduce me to uh, as a joke, quote unquote. So he like gives me this book and it's um, diaper fetish play. Ooh. And I was like, Inch, what? Is this the one that you sent me? Yeah. I okay. I'm going to pull this up for everyone mm-hmm. because um, Samantha just sent this over to me. The book is called The Age Play and Diaper Fetish Handbook. And it's from an author who put her years of experience as a diaper fetish model. Yes. And I think it's called ABDL. And essentially, it's like a mommy baby fetish. So it, this one's called the Diaper Play Handbook, but there's also, when I went to her website, um, I think she's like a professional escort that does this, and she uh, has like breastfeeding videos, breast pumping videos, babysitter videos, like, and essentially the guy will be the baby, and she'll mommy him and like change his diapers and breastfeed him, and yeah, there's all kinds of the videos, like I went down a rabbit hole for a while because I was... Not sure how I felt about this. And I think the awkward part is when he brought over the book, uh, you know, he was like, oh, look at this. And I immediately cracked up and started laughing (laughs) because I was like, oh, this is so funny. Where'd you find this? And I could tell that actually he was probably into it. And I had accidentally like, you know, been maybe dissed his fetish a little. This is quite the art form because I'm just looking at the glossary or the table of um, contents. And it goes into roles, like the feminine caretaker, masculine caretaker. But then it goes into an entire section on diapering. Disposable diapers, cloth diapers, liners, using diapers, changing diapers, diaper rash. Yes. And then age play, setting the mood, regression, era age play. Wow, there's so many elements to this. So there's definitely an art form to this. Um, How far did you guys get? Not very far, sadly, because I think that I, you know, my reaction wasn't what he was going for, but I think it probably would have been a normal person's reaction because this is pretty unusual. Um, So we parted ways for other reasons and we didn't get that far, but I definitely um, Googled it, of course, and like went down the rabbit hole. You guys might want to watch the videos. And I think the woman who does this is actually quite fascinating. She's got all kinds of website footage and films Hmm. and, and that kind of like gives you the better... Better idea. Her name is Penny Barber for anybody interested. So did he ever, like, I mean, like with conversations, like I know you kind of laughed it off, which sometimes can be tough when someone's Mm -hmm. disclosing a fetish. They don't necessarily hear that. Did he give any more insight on why he was, like, turned on by this or kind of shut it down? He never admitted it, you know? And I think that, I don't know. I just realized later I was telling UA and other people and they were like, oh, he's into that. Even at the time I wasn't quite sure, but... That's the only reason you would own a book like that, I think. And he said he got it at a book signing and actually, you know, was like potentially the author seemed interested in him. So I that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. So everyone confirmed to me that this is probably him introducing a fetish 
in the most subtle way possible. Um, so I guess next time that happens to me, I'm not going to giggle. But So from your research into this fetish, what happens exactly? So from what I could tell, it looked like um, basically it's a lot of the role play stuff, which is huge. So this particular elaborate fetish, sometimes there is breast pumping. Um, sometimes there's like baby milk involved. There's definitely baby bottles. Um, I did not have the like courage to go into the diaper fetish as much because I'm really curious about the diaper changing part of it. Yes. But I never found a video on that. I just feel like it's like this like like psychological aspect of like wanting to be with your mother. Like there's oh, like totally. some like Freudian yes. aspect here. It yes. has to be. It has right? to, like what yeah. what else would get someone excited by this? I don't know. I wish we could talk to him. <laughs> yeah, me too. I can give you his contact information if you like. So did you sleep with him in your the course of your relationship? Yeah, yeah. We were, you know, dating for a couple of months at this point. Um, but this – I wouldn't say that this was necessarily – I'm not sure what the deal breaker was. But uh, I would say that this probably was – maybe we weren't quite compatible in that way. I don't know if I was ready to take that role on as like a mother, yep. breastfeeding, <laughs> diaper-changing type of girlfriend. I feel like – That's a lot. <laughs> well, I'm going to make the BDSM community cringe again, but like yeah. I'm going to use Fifty Shades of Grey as a reference. But yes. there was like this part about like how Christian Grey like wasn't down with vanilla sex because he uh -huh. was like into all this other stuff. Do you think that this affected, like, your sex life overall? Like, that you weren't down to do stuff like this? Um, potentially, because he did have a lot of different fetishes and was very open-minded in a lot of ways. Like, more than I had been exposed to at that time, because that's, like, dating in San Francisco. So I'm sure he definitely did not want vanilla sex in any kind of way. But, yeah, he had had some really interesting – I think he had been um, – he was in a porn – at kink.com oh. in the background not like a porn star but like oh he's an extra he's an a, extra <laughs> how do you yeah. get that gig I know I know um, the network with this <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah I mean he was not like I think his sexual preferences definitely were not for the faint of heart um, there was a lot of like BDSM background stuff with him as well and but what was your sex show. life with him it was it was honestly amazing it was great but um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I again, I was keeping an open mind, but there were just some lines that I like wasn't ready to. Like, did you feel like you weren't giving him what he was looking for? Because I feel like I would maybe feel that way. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that there was a certain amount of that because once he brought the book over, I was like, well, you know, I can't. I mean, maybe I could. I maybe could have tried, but I felt like that was where I just, I don't know. I don't think I could have gotten into the changing of the diapers. But before he brought the book over, was he already a little bit kinky in bed? Totally. Yeah. He okay. was into like the tying up stuff. Um, and you were cool with that? Yeah, that was totally fine. And then, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it was very light. I would say it's like, you know, all that couple stuff where you're like, handcuffs, haha, ha, let's try it. Um, but it wasn't, you know, there was no diapers. So, um, yeah, he was, but he was like definitely an experimental type of person. Um, he was on seeking arrangements, I think, for a while. Uh, and he, again, was bisexual. So I'm not really not sure what, like, how deep it would have gone should we have stayed together. I wish that I knew because it would make for a really interesting story, I'm sure. I think it's just an interesting topic is, like, how far do you go for mm -hmm. people? Yeah. Like, I think this doesn't feel natural to you, right? To do this diaper fetish. But if in theory you were like, this is the one. Yeah. Like, I guess, is it a deal breaker that makes it not the one? Or is it something that you push yourself with? I don't know what the answer. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm also like, I wonder if he had a specific procedure that he went through. Like, let's get this light BDSM stuff out of the way, see yes. how she likes that. And if she's, you know, receptive to that, then maybe I'll bring over this ebook and see how she reacts to that. Because he must have gone through this before with previous relationships, right? So yeah. I wonder, like, this is his, his process right. of introducing everything. But to me, I feel like if this is a fetish that's important to you, I would want to know up front yeah. pretty much right away. But then that's a mix, though, because I feel like if you know too soon and you're not down with it, 
your like reaction is going to be like, no. But I yeah. feel like if you like get to, I mean, especially as a woman, mm-hmm. maybe a man, I don't want to speak for men, but like as a woman, we are emotional yeah. beings. And I feel like the more you get to know someone, you may be more open to mm. doing stuff out of your comfort zone, opposed to like if someone says on Tinder, like I'm down with a diaper fetish to be right. like next. Right. Although there are like fetish sites, I'm sure that you could find somebody that has the same thing or Craigslist obviously is always there. I should add too that at the time he was in his 30s and living with his mom. So Ooh, that adds a different component. That added a dimension. Everyone's like, don't date a guy that lives Ooh. with his mom. And but I think it's that plus the diaper fetish. Ooh. That's like it's like, is there a mother fetish going on? I want to meet the mom. And or there was do some I? mom issues there for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. That's that's an interesting aspect. Yeah. I do think though that so I struggle with this quite a bit. So I just said something that I think now I'm going to go back on because I think you're right, Julie. It's like sometimes fetishes come out of a relationship. Maybe you've been together for a, a while and you get comfortable. But how is a sexual fetish different than, let's say, an Asian fetish? We've talked about yellow fever before. And it's almost like if someone comes to me with a fetish that they have that was independent of me, I would feel like I was just part of the equation I wasn't you know like I wasn't a, in a partnership with this person it's oh, almost like they like, weren't like oh let's discuss this together like this is something I want to do but how is that different than like wanting to have like a threesome or like having these desires that they have that's true I don't know in my mind it's like a plug-in chug like I'm really into diaper fetishes I want you to play mommy it doesn't matter who you are as long as you agree to it it's like Asian fetish I'm into Asian girls and if you're an Asian girl I'm into it it's almost like it seems impersonal. I feel like fetishes to me, there's no should or would, but I, I feel like to me in my previous relationships, they come out of a certain level level of comfort with each other and certain level of chemistry with each other. And that comes with yeah. time. I totally. disagree a little though. Okay. I think there's people that have things that get them off and like oh, they yes. have that already. And like, let's be honest, when you're dating in your 20s and 30s, you are not the first person someone's been with. So there could have been something that's turned them on in the past. And it's not like I get in some way the plug and chug mentality. But I also think it's like if you're in a monogamous relationship specifically, like this is the person you're doing this stuff with. So you kind of need them to be on board. Yeah. Um, If the fetish is that important to you, if it's not, then that's another story. But if it's like this guy only I'm I'm speaking on not knowing him, but let's say he only gets off for diapers. Yeah. He needs a girl that's on board with that. It's true. Or how is he going to be sexually satisfied? But is that an issue for him, right? It's mm-hmm. almost like, why are you so obsessed with diapers? Maybe there's something else going on, and I don't know if it, I you mean, should be in a relationship. You can say that about, like, any fetish, though. Like, if you think of, like, a threesome, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people will say, what's wrong with our relationship that you need to bring a third person in? Right. So, like, there's always, like, a why are you doing this? But then sometimes there's just people get off on it. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. Okay, so here's here's an um a way to look at this and I I've struggled with this too. When someone brings on when someone brings up a fetish, it also implies their previous sex life. And some mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'm just so prude that I don't like hearing about my partner's previous sex life, mm. that it kind of reveals something about them with someone else, right? Or they never got someone to agree to it. Or they never got someone to agree <laughs> to it. Been, That's, true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but Julie, I told you about the guy I met, I met on Tinder um, who we like never met in person, but our initial conversation was very normal, like just small talk. Where do you live? Where do you work? And it quickly turned into, hey, I want to tell you something and I want you to be okay with it before we meet up in person. So I'm thinking like he's married or whatever, one of those things. Well, it turns out that he's really into and he graphically depicted this with emojis where um, he was very much into one, watching the girl have sex with another man. Okay. And two... Um, him and the girl sucking the same dick. <laughs> Can you please tell all our <laughs> listeners the emojis that were given? Because yeah. that makes he the story me, the He first started with, um, how do you feel about, he gave me a tongue emoji and an eggplant. So I was like, oh, like blowjobs? That's pretty normal. I don't think that's anything out of the ordinary. 
And then he put a tongue emoji, then the eggplant, then another tongue. So I was like, whose tongue is the third, the second <laughs> tongue? And he said, mine. <laughs> so, so, of course, I went into like investigative reporting into this. And I said, like, how did you first come about this? And he said, oh, I was with an ex-girlfriend. She was the one that was into it from a previous relationship. Totally. And she requested that we try it. So they, it took them like almost a month of putting up Craigslist ads to find wow. that man for for them to do this with. And he said it was like phenomenal when it happened. So now he's like carry this on to, he thinks it's like so necessary in, in his relationships going forward that before even meeting me in person, he wanted to tell so, me about it. So that's a mix. I still think like your reaction without knowing this guy is going to be like, no. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe it still would have been no knowing him, but I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's like one of those things like when a guy hits you up and is like DTF and they've never met you. It's oh, like, I hate that. You know yeah, what I mean? It's I like, that. I don't get it. It's like, just take someone to dinner and like, or not even dinner, just take someone to drinks and there's a chance they will Fuck you. But, like, if you say it like that, it's <laughs> oh, just, like, no, I just don't think, like, women operate that way. Maybe there's obviously women that do, which yeah. has given men, like, this reassurance to keep sending this stuff. But yeah. I don't really know. I'm glad we're talking about that because that's, like, one of the things on online dating that drives me nuts. I get so many requests, like, do you want to yeah. just – What? how do you feel about casual? Do you want to be friends with benefits? And I'm, like, you're not my friend yet. So right. what – like, how would it possibly be – benefits with like, friends i just feel like if you went for a drink with them like yeah it then could I, happen i have no idea if i want to have sex with you just based right. on like five pictures on tinder so but i also got one that's very actually interesting to this topic and it's been in my vault but i think it's like <laughs> my, vault, my vault of okay yes. cupid days like five years ago and i'm not on okay cupid partially because of what i got there back then yeah but one guy had a milking fetish so he, like, sent me this really long message about, like, how he wanted to – I think it was me to suck on his nipples. What? Wow. I can't remember if it was him on mine or me on his. I think it was oh. actually me on him because I remember, like, showing it to friends and just being like, what the what fuck, the you know? Heck? But, like, it was a really in-depth, like, what he was planning on doing and, like, the whole procedures. I really wish I still had it. But oh, it yeah. was intense. But, like – Getting that without any con, like in OK Cupid, it wasn't like Tinder yeah. where you like message like I am style. It was like the first email I got. Wow! And I'm like, so that's a copy and paste, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. How many people has he said this? Long that long? Yeah. But I mean, he's clearly looking for someone to fulfill this. Uh huh. And in that situation, I agree. It's a plug and chunk. If it's so, like you don't know them at all. I guess it just depends on what your priority is. Is your priority to find someone or is your priority to satisfy this particular fetish, right? If your priority is to say, I have this fetish and I just want someone to satisfy it. Yeah, you should say that in the very beginning right. or put that in your profile. Totally. But if your priority is to be in a relationship where you get to a place where both of you want to explore these fetishes, then yeah, I agree. Maybe not lead with your fetishes. Right. But I do agree it needs to be semi, if like, I guess it depends how important it's to you. If it's like, okay, I don't need to go through life with the diapers, but I could still be in a relationship with you, then maybe it's not important. But yeah. like to say it like, it might not be a deal breaker, but if it's something that like, I don't want to be with this girl, if she's unwilling to get into a freaking diaper, <laughs> yeah. then it's like, you got to say that earlier, I guess. Yeah. Like, how would you know? Or at least like feel out their openness. Maybe that's the way to do it. How much of a deal breaker it is for you, right? To, yeah. to have someone to do that. Also, like, what is the classy way to bring it up so that the other person feels comfortable and not offended? Because yeah. I really, I appreciated this, the subtle approach, but I think that I would have been less thrown off. Mm. One, if it was further into the relationship, and two, if, if like we had, a, I don't know, a conversation about it. Like, I think that's a really there. good point because, like, to show the book, it's almost like it's like very passive in a way. Yeah. So, yeah. like, your reaction of laughing isn't that strange because you're just like, oh, why are you showing me this yeah. book? But if like, he was like, like, from the heart talked about this, like, maybe you wouldn't yeah. have laughed in his face. That's true. I think about like, I'm almost jealous of people who have very specific fetishes because they got to a point in some sort of relationship where they were comfortable enough to explore sort of these passions. I I mean, like I'm 36 years old and I still don't know what my fetishes are. I, but so not everyone has them. I don't think it's like, like there are people that just like vanilla sex. Like there isn't, it's not like you're missing out. It's like, maybe you are. I don't know. 
I feel like I am missing out on something. <laughs> I am missing but out. But if there's not, like, something you're gravitating to. I don't right. know. I guess if, like, you're happy with your sex life, then maybe yeah. it's not missing. But well, I'd love to know how fetishes actually develop and, like, any yes. psychological studies on that. Because I think sometimes it's stuff that happens in early life. Obviously, the diaper fetish very much so. Yeah, sometimes there's definitely some mother-ish mm. things going on there. Yeah. But also, I mean, it does sound like a lot of people develop their fetishes by being introduced by other partners. Yeah. Yes. So mm-hmm. I wonder just kind of like what is the, the more. Or is it something like they see on like porn and stuff? You're yeah. right. Right. Yeah, that's true. I remember I had this boyfriend in, in New York. Um, would I call him a boyfriend? Maybe not. But I was dating someone in New York and I remember telling him that I liked having sex in the dark. <laughs> That's not really a fetish. He's like, oh, oh I know. I know. <laughs> I know. But I really meant it as like, I think I just meant like I like I enjoy having sex at night versus during the day. Mm. Um, and then he took that to the next level and he like <laughs> he like dragged me into the bathroom and turned off all the lights, including his alarm clock. He like he like unplugged the alarm clock and he's like, How about now? And I'm like, I don't need pitch black. <laughs> he took it to the next level. And I was like, is this a fetish of mine? Do I like, do I enjoy having sex? in pitch darkness where I can't see my partner and then I quickly reach the conclusion no this is not a fetish of mine but I think it's like what is that line of fetish like yeah. I'll admit like I definitely True. like like an out like a public semi-public oh yeah. yeah but I wouldn't say it's a fet like I would definitely like get off on that but I wouldn't be like if someone wasn't down with it I wouldn't be like oh my god deal breaker yeah that's true this is over like it's not like that big a deal to me totally. I don't know I guess like what's that line of like yeah. fetish versus like something exciting but I guess it's all relative right maybe for someone they would hear oh like public stuff oh that's such a fetish I've like never done that before that's so crazy or someone who's like has sex in the pub in public all the time and they're like oh that's just normal Julie (laughs) it's like my everyday or like the diaper guy's like whatever (laughs) whatever imagine if I'd hung in there who knows I mean I think that is another thing too it's like how do you like gradually bring it I'm like thinking Mm. trying to think of like if I had this major fetish that was a deal breaker like does it make sense to like gradually introduce stuff like we were kind of talking about earlier like light play and then like keep it going or like is there another approach like just having like an open conversation like more theoretically like yeah what are your like desires and fantasies and that type of stuff so I kind of like this approach um I went to like group therapy a couple couple weeks ago and the therapist said Whenever you're talking to your partner, you always want to start with your ideal world. So this Mm. is the world where not all of your needs are going to be met. So maybe if you did have these fetishes, you speak to your partner in that, what's in your ideal world? What would happen sexually? Yeah. Right? And start with that. And then then it's not putting it on them as much. It's not like, oh, you're disappointing me because you're not doing it. Yeah, exactly. And then you can have an open conversation about like the craziest, wildest things that you can think of sexually. And then you just pull back from there and eventually build from Well, I read somewhere and I'm like trying to remember what article was or where I read it, but it was like one of the most demoralizing things you can do is like put someone's fetishes down. So like the laughing kind of probably falls into that. And it's like a lot of time too, people don't even necessarily want to do what they say. Like if you said this, like it would be like, like, I mean, if you talk to people, like how many people are probably like, oh, I want to have a threesome. And then how many people actually do it? Right. Like it's yeah. not logistically is really hard. Well, just saying like, yeah, complex. but just like, cause you want to do it doesn't mean you're doing it all the time where it's like, in theory, this sounds like really good idea. But then like, if you were like to your partner, like, what do you think of threesomes? Like, oh, never. Like it just mm. has like a very like negative connotation to it. Totally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What about you, Samantha? Do you have any fetishes? It's time to take a quick break so we can tell you about the latest service we have been building over at Datable. We'll be offering a platform to connect you with vetted dating experts from our network to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching to see where you're getting stuck in dating, and even ways to get real feedback about your dating style. The sessions typically run from 30 minutes to an hour and can all be done via Skype or Google Hangouts so you can be anywhere. 
We're so excited about this because so many of you wrote in asking how you can find people to help up your dating game. And this should be a great way to get personalized, affordable advice. We'll be adding more coaches and more services. And of course, let us know if there's something specific you'd like to see. To meet the coaches and book your session today, visit datablepodcast.com slash coaching. Now back to the show. What about you, Samantha? Do you have any fetishes? Um, gosh, I mean, I like the public place thing. I know. Yeah, something hot about, about that. There's yeah. something really hot but it's about like, that. For me, it's like a semi. I don't know if I'm like, oh, I'm just going to be out in the open, like doing it. It's like my building. Like if there was like somewhere yes. that's like kind of open, yeah. but not yeah. like, yeah. I'm a card carrying Mile High Club member. And I'm oh, okay. out of that. That's a, yeah, that's I like, wouldn't call it a fetish thing. though, because that was a really complicated logistical process. Yeah, that's what people say. always how, say. How, how, <laughs> was it on an international flight? If only. No, it, was, it wasn't. It was okay. Vegas to California. Or no, Vegas, yeah. <laughs> so like an hour like a half flight. An hour flight. Well, it's actually a good story if you guys want to <laughs> Yeah, I want to hear it. You want to hear it? Okay. So um, we're talking about fetishes anyway. Okay. My, <laughs> my college boyfriend and I um, were flying to back home for Christmas to meet my parents. And oh, uh, yeah, so we're going to start off right. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, so we really wanted to, you know, show up fresh and you know, relaxed and looking, you know. Um, so we decided we had two flights. We had a layover in Las Vegas. And um, so the first flight, we thought about it a lot and we're like, okay, we're going to do it. So we went into the bathroom and um, pretty much the second the door closed, the captain comes online and he's like, could the passengers in the bathroom please step out of the bathroom? <gasps> oh, and were we, you in there too long or we something? We were like only in there for 15 seconds, but we were in there together. So we walk oh. out and I'm not kidding you, the entire plane like slow claps. <gasps> and I'm just, we're just what? Like, that what is mortifying. It was awful. And I was like, we were young at this time too. So I had like, that was when I had embarrassed myself so many times that I could still feel the But pain. you guys didn't have sex in the bathroom that first time. That was the flight number one. So then by flight number two, we were like, we have to do this now because we've endured the humiliation. Like, we don't have any of the glory. So, and thankfully, one of my college friends was flying back too. So she had our backs. So we're like, okay, we're going to do this. And even better, it was a Vegas flight. A bunch of people on it just won a bunch of money gambling. Yeah. Yeah. The flight attendants were like sexy and, you know. They're all drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was drunk. So everyone was distracted by many things. And so we like snuck in there and, uh. Uh, yeah, I do not recommend – it's got to be international flight in the seats. We we did bathroom, and that was just, like, Ugh. so tight. Like, I didn't want to touch the walls or anything. Yeah, everything's so gross. Yeah, it was really complicated. Um, and then we did it, and we pulled it off, but there was a whole line outside the bathroom. Oh, my God. Yeah, and my friend had to talk to everyone. They were like, she has, she's sick, and he's helping her. It's <laughs> amazing. Like just making up excuses for well, us. So. Like, it brings up a good point, because I've always had, like, the fetish of, like, a hot tub or, like, water, and then people mm-hmm. – anyone – that's oh, done it reality. is always like it's don't do awful. it yeah. like it's not good at all so it's like kind of like that bat like the mile high one it's like has this glorification yeah but so, once you do it you're like oh it's disgusting but i wonder Seriously. like to bring us back full circle like i wonder if like the baby fetish uh-huh. like if you did it once and yeah. he was like even like like it goes back to like do i really even want this or is it something i just like seems exciting Definitely. I mean, I'm I'm trying to be really open-minded about this. So I'm like, what would I enjoy out of this experience? I would enjoy him sucking on my tits. Yes. Okay. That would be like really nice. You yeah. know, prolonged tit sucking. <laughs> that would be really good. But the diaper part, mm-hmm. that I don't know if I could I mean, I don't even like diapers on kids. I yeah. don't know if I would like it on a, on well, a grown adult. That's totally. the part that's like, what does it do to you after? Like, I think yes. there was, like, I remember, like, in Sex of the City, there was, like, the threesome episode. Yeah. It was, like, well, what happens afterwards? It's, like. Mm-hmm. That's true. Or, like, oh, I think it was, like, up the butt. It wasn't the threesome bun. But it was, like, still, like, then you're, like, the girl that did it. Like, it's, yeah. like, the what happens yeah. after. And it's, like, this diaper fetish. Like, are you going to respect this guy that you just yes. saw in a diaper, like. Milking. Yeah, oh, yes. definitely. And I, I think about, and maybe I'm like a germaphobe in some ways, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, like we talked about this in a previous episode with fetishes. Um, my friend dated this guy, had a, a drawer full of sex toys. And in my mind, I'm just like, ew, how many other people did yes. he use these sex toys on? Totally. Like same with the diapers, you know, like how many other times did he use diapers you with someone? You get fresh diapers. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's a good thing, right? You get fresh, but maybe that's his Are they disposable? But remember there, there's so many, so many different kinds. Remember there was like, um, 
cloth diapers, yes. uh, uh, disposable diapers. There were quite a few different diapers that you could be using. And that's what flashed through my mind, you know, <laughs> was like, okay, so how deep does this go? Am I going to actually be changing real diapers? Are you going to be relieving yourself in that's these diapers? That's what I was going to ask. Like, right. say, is there like poop yeah. involved? Because exactly. then it's just like yeah. go to a whole different level. That's, yeah. Yeah, I but think that's I why you wear diapers. That's exactly right. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's got to be a big part of it. So that was when I think the line kind of got really weird for me trying to think about like, that. Did you guys have a conversation though about it or was it kind of just dismissed? It was pretty quickly dismissed and okay. now I realize that you said that you know if you dismiss somebody's fetish in that kind of way that it could be probably harmful to their psychology somehow. So. I think that goes with everything when it comes to your partner approaching you with yeah. something. You always yeah. have to validate what they're saying first and then give your opinion what you think. Totally. So but I mean I Honestly, I would have had the same reaction. Yeah. You know? But then at the same... I guess you, the other way you could argue is that maybe you just weren't compatible because yeah. you weren't as open as he was. That's true. So, like, maybe there there's, like, a line of how much you can push yourself without being... Yeah. Like, you can't compromise your own self either. That's true. But to me, I feel like it's also timing of when you bring up sexual desires. I feel like in the middle of the day with an (laughs) e-book, I may not be the best way. But if it's, like, post-coital, we're, like, in bed, I'm, like, still flushed. And he says something like, hey, babe, like, how do you feel about, you know, putting diapers on me? Then maybe I'm more open to it. It's, like, timing and the way you say it is everything. Is everything. It's everything. But it's super fascinating. I still I still find this whole thing super fascinating. And I wish we could get him on the show because I like to hear his side of the story. And at oh, what yeah. point, and I do, I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but at what point is a fetish unhealthy, right? Are all fetishes okay? Or, you know, I like to get a professional's right. opinion. Yeah. At some point, maybe this is not a fetish anymore. It's an right. illness of some sort. Who knows? You know, in the subject of um proposals for fetishes. So I had another guy that I was dating and after three dates, so this one introduced BDSM in a way that it felt fun and playful and it it was interesting. Um, But I dated another guy and he brought out his like sex toy box, I think after dinner on the third date. We weren't even Mm, making out. Yeah, it was just, it was so awkward. He was like, hold on, let me get something. And he brings out this box and I immediately had that same flash of like how many people have used all yes, of these toys right you know and he pulled them out like pulled out like a gag and a bunch of stuff and I was honestly like freaked out so that's like yeah you know just and uh, like the same guy kind of introduced the same concept but in a much more like you know progress progress and we kind of like took it from one level to the next so that kind of worked totally so yeah it definitely makes all the difference I think in the way that you do it you have to be comfortable. So mm-hmm. I think, I mean, should we talk about takeaways? Yeah, I think let's that's like some takeaways. I think takeaways, like how you say it is everything and how yeah. you lead up to it is everything. Yeah, probably. Samantha, any takeaways? I would say takeaways. How would you have handled the situation differently? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the problem is, is it took me off guard. So yeah. I think if um, if it had been presented in a completely different context, I'm sure I would have been much yeah. more sensitive, especially because I didn't know he didn't present it as like what his thing was per se. So it was definitely like um, I couldn't have prepared my reaction properly. Instead, it just, of course, right. took me completely off guard. But if this would ever happen again, I would definitely – be open-minded and just kind of uh, pace my reaction a little bit and ask mm-hmm. a lot of questions first before, you know, kind of getting an idea, is this something you're into or is this like a gag gift that you've brought over? Yeah, so, mm-hmm. right. Definitely. Yeah. I have two takeaways. One is from the fetish side and one is from the receiving end side. So for um, the person with the fetish, I think it's really important to know how important this fetish is to you. And if it is sort of a deal breaker or if it's the leading quality you're looking for in someone, instead of going online to find that person, I would go to these groups, these meetups or BDSM groups or these sex parties where you're bound to find someone who's into it, right? right? Just like the spray and pray on like Tinder. It just feels like... It doesn't... uh, It doesn't... Also, I hate to say it, but people share these sort of stories with their friends. So if you sent a message like that to Julie or to me, 
chances are we probably showed it to like 10 of our friends yeah, like the milk yeah. guy i showed that to everyone the milkman yeah the oh, milkman well because it's so out of context right, right? so i would say if, if the deal breaker is the fetish then go somewhere where you have a higher chance of finding someone who's acceptable who accepts that and sort of I, fetish. i think it's like what we talked about before just like the sending it to someone that you don't know at all yeah like then it becomes like a joke yeah like even if i was down with that like i think it would just like come off like almost like spammy yeah, yeah. it does that happened to me too and and this profile is on okcupid in san francisco constantly um it's called like two guys for you and it's two it's some guy or multiple guys or a 12 year old playing a joke that's into double penetration so that was one of the fetish emails that I got on okcupid where I was like what is going on like I didn't grasp it because I was new to the city and I didn't understand like the scene out here at first so it's like two boyfriends could be fun like what's the deal is that what they're into and then of course as the conversation progressed it became really clear what was going on it wasn't like I get to have two boyfriends it was like you know yeah they're gonna have a like uh Pyramid. I, I think okay, cute. I don't know. For me personally, I've gotten the w- most of those on okay, really? out of any other dating site. Hands yeah. down. Okay, Hands down. Interesting. Well, so my takeaway for the <laughs> receiving end is one is to um, I'm actually going through this myself to think broad, like to open my mind to think like what is my ultimate sexual experience yep. beyond what I already know? Cause we only rely so much on what we already know, but ultimately, cause if you're going to be with someone for a long time, there's so much you can explore in the bedroom or in public, <laughs> whatever yeah. it may be. Um, so I was just say like, think more broad. What, what are some of the possibilities out yep. there and keeping an open mind? Because when you have the sort of mindset, if your partner comes to you with a fetish, you won't have that sort of, whoa, no, that's a joke or I'm not into it. It's more of like, hmm, let me think about it. And that's the other thing I learned in that group therapy session. Our therapist said, you know, whatever is presented to you, your first answer should always be, let me think about it. Yeah. Don't give a yes or a no. Let me think about it. Well, that was like what we talked about earlier. I think the auto shutdown is like demoralizing. Yeah. Like I think really it's, you talked about this, Samantha, too. It's like asking questions more and like getting to the root of like how important is this? Is there something like the reason why you're doing it? Like maybe there's something with the diaper fetish that you could have found a middle ground on that would have got to the same end results. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. No, we don't know because we didn't ask questions yeah totally so start at the most ideal situation and then just pull it in and compromise somewhere. and i liked what you said you too about having like that hypothetical quest like this is what ideally i see mm-hmm. for me opposed yes. to this is what i want you're not fulfilling it yeah for me. that comes from like a very negative accusatory like way versus like more hypothetical fantasy yeah and we're in this together so let's explore together right and then you can see someone's like if you are the type of person that like a like out of the box sex life is important to you and essential for you if someone's like oh what's your like ideal it's like missionary yeah then you'll see that you're not compatible yeah uh, totally, totally. Well, I'm totally inspired now to for 2018. I'm gonna find a fucking fetish. That's that's. <laughs> I thought you had this my- in the dark. Fetish. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love now when I see you. Bed I'm shut dark. up all the lights is a joke every time. <laughs> but we have this in the like season one. We had this conversation about fetishes, and I remember you and Michael being like, "Yui, what's your fetish?" And I was like, "I think I'm into water stuff." And both of you <laughs> shut me down so hard. You were like, "Ew, we, like it hurts. There's so much chafing in water." I, not, I've not never good. done water stuff, but I've heard from multiple people Definitely. that it's not as glamorous as it sounds. And I realized where that came from. It's like I'm not into water stuff, but for like all the porn and all the movies I've watched. It's like the most romantic scenes are always in water. Totally. In a hot tub, right? Yeah. Or but, sex on the beach or, or something. Or sex on the beach. Yeah. That and also then, logistically is not. Not a good idea. <laughs> and then when after that episode, I was like, God, why did I, why was that my first reflex? Yeah. It's because in media, that's what's portrayed. Totally. But then I had flashbacks of my friend being like, I got an UTI after having sex in the pool. I'm like, <laughs> I know. That's exactly what would happen that's in the pool. That's like what we were saying earlier. When someone says what their fetish is, it might not even really be what yeah. Their fetish is like it could yeah. be something they've seen somewhere or like heard yes. about like 
I think like, I don't know why I keep saying threesomes because I think it's just so mainstream media wise mm-hmm. too that people are like, I should be doing threesomes. Like, yeah. why aren't I doing this? But they may not actually even want that. Yeah. It might just be the idea totally. of it. Exactly. So 2018, I'm going to find out what I really want. Maybe like a furry fetish. (laughs) (laughs) That would work with your dog. Or cosplay. Cosplay could be interesting. We're going to see who I had Folsom Street Fair. I know. I'm like, you guys, I'm really into chaps. She's going to do a 180 in 2018. She's going to be in the furry garden. I I know that when I go on um, any of the porn sites, because you know those categories, there's a few that I'm drawn to. Too, which is Definitely. always like cam. I like cam stuff. Oh, yeah. So like security cam stuff. Oh, Ooh, yes. interesting. I like and this. I also like um, I like watching sex club stuff. I don't oh, know yeah. what I don't know what it is. I like because mu- yeah. I think I'm such a multitasker. I like totally. seeing multiple things at the same time. It's a lot of simulation. I so like I'll, maybe those are two avenues I can explore. Who knows? Voyeurism. I love it. Voyeurism. If not, you life. always have the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I always have sex in the dark. Yes, I'm so living on the dangerous side. Um, do we have a question of the day? All right, question of the day comes from Gabriel, who says, My girlfriend and I have been together for almost two years now and recently started exploring in the bedroom. Lately, she's been really turned on by whips, especially whipping me. Don't get me wrong, it really turns me on to see her turned on, but I'm not a big fan of whipping. It hurts and it snaps me out of the moment. How should I approach this with her? Ooh, Ooh, this is tough. That is tough because you want to see your partner turned on, but at the same time, if you're not really into it... It's not fair to make it hurt for someone. It's not fair, yeah. Are there different levels of whips, maybe? Maybe there's some whips that don't hurt as much. Maybe he needs to just say, like, this is... Um, like exactly what he said I'm turned on that you're turned on but it's hurting me like can you go a little lighter or something maybe it's the way she's doing it but he needs to say something he does need to say something he can't subjugate to her uh, no because this is like I mean consent it all comes down to that right I know like verbally he probably gave his consent but he's like not all in it and that's just yeah it's not sustainable this is like a common problem I think Uh, is it yeah I've had my friend I've had friends that have expressed the same thing to me so I I didn't really know what to tell them because I know that it's a tricky thing but um probably Mm -hmm. I think that there's a way that you can technique it so that it hurts less yes yeah so there's that um and then I think also I remember there's I mean if anyone's heard about BDSM, there's many different tools that you can look at. So I don't, maybe they just need to switch which type of I think that's using. really what it comes down to. Because like, you don't want to be like, no. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it can't just be like, this yeah. isn't working for me at all. Like, I'm not happy. Like, totally. how do you come to that middle ground? I think it all goes back to communication. But in this particular case, it's all about what does she need in that scenario? What is it that turns her on? Is it the act of whipping him or is it the act of whipping, mm-hmm. right? So right. maybe it's the aggression of her t- having a whip in her hand and the power of just hitting something. Hmm. So maybe they can compromise on her just hitting the floor or the wall. and Stuffed not him. Or stuffed <laughs> animal. <laughs> yeah, and not him per se, yeah. right? But yeah. he... I agree. He needs to, you need to, Gabriel, you need to like communicate this. Otherwise, it's going to be domestic abuse. I think it's really nice that Gabriel, that you've kind of like addressed her fantasies and like gone along with it. But there is definitely that line. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the BDSM community, don't they have like a safe safe word? word. A safe word, right? To the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to say the safe word when I'm not comfortable anymore. So maybe you two should establish a safe word in your relationship too. It's all about pushing boundaries and finding where the boundaries are and communicating that. But she also, I mean, if they're in a loving, committed relationship, or even if she just cares for him as a human being, she probably doesn't want to hurt him. Yeah. And she doesn't know if he doesn't say it. She's probably like, he likes this. Yes, exactly. So I think it's just bringing it up is important. Yeah. Yeah. I had um, an ex-boyfriend with a whipping fetish that liked to be whipped. Okay. Um, we never did it ourselves, but I heard the story. This was actually Diaper Guy. And <laughs> <laughs> Diaper Guy was into everything. He was. He really was. Um, but yeah, he talked about it. It was really interesting to hear about, uh, like, I guess one night he went to one of those clubs or whatever, and they just really, somebody like extensively whipped him. And he talked about kind of like the euphoria of the experience. Mm. Because I think if you like whipping, it's like really... 
uh, essentially it creates a bunch of chemicals in your body that respond to right. the pain. So right. it becomes like, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like the point of it, I think. So it might, yeah. they might be doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. We had an episode, Rope Bondage, that I believe was in season four. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how actually a lot of BDSM isn't even sexual. Mm-hmm. Yes. So maybe also another option is maybe this girl can find another outlet to get off with this mm. that isn't even sexual. That she's totally. technically not cheating on him or whatnot or depending on their relationship maybe it's not a problem to find someone else right yeah don't they have those hotels in asia where you can just go in and trash everything i feel like she might benefit from that (laughs) go in the hotel room trash everything and come back and have sex absolutely but i think that is an interesting point i want to wrap this up but um even fetishes although they're sexual in nature a lot of them don't end in sex right and I find that so fascinating. Remember I told you about my friend who um, had guys who would pay to watch her eat? Right. And it was like, Whoa. it was a fetish of theirs, <laughs> but then it would never end in sex. They just got off on it and they'd go home and like jerk off. Wow. Yeah. Super interesting. <laughs> yeah. I just find fetishes so interesting. If you, our listeners, have a fetish or are curious about one, we love to have you as a guest on our show. We want to explore all of this. And I'm, I have to, I'm the first to admit I know so little about any sort of fetishes. But I, again, in 2018, I'm going to find that fetish that I'm going, that's going to be my brand. Okay. Yep, so you guys need to help me. And we will be open and we will not laugh at you. No matter what you say. We will validate you. Unless if you're hurting yourself or someone else, then we'll have to report you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much, Samantha, for telling us your story. And hopefully we will get someone with a diaper fetish on the show to tell us their side. And what is that? What does that really feel like? I'm so super curious. Milkman, if you're still out there, my OKCupid message. A milkman, yeah, milkman. I don't remember your name or anything about you. I think you had a screen name that was like Milkman. No joke. There you go. Yeah, we love to have Milkman on the show. I love to get, (laughs) I love to get two tongues and a um, and an eggplant on the show as well. So. Let's get everyone on the show. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much again, Samantha, for coming. And we invite you, our listeners, to be a guest on our show or just to write in and tell us any stories or ideas you may have. We always welcome that. And as always, we can anonymize you by giving you a made-up name (laughs) to protect (laughs) your identity. Okay, on that note, stay stay dateable! Your action item for this week is to think about how everything is a conversation in a relationship everything's up for discussion and everything's negotiable. So make sure you leave freedom for your partner to propose whatever it is on their mind. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. If you didn't know already, we have a revamped website with articles, videos, and content all about modern dating. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We've had some great feedback about how actionable these episodes are. So check them out on our website or iTunes Music. Also, visit the site today to see the latest about coaching, where we connect you with dateable approved experts to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching, and even gathering real feedback about your dating style in a personalized and affordable way. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Dateable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and auto-download the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. 